to the Millennial Pastor Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the intersection between faith and culture. I am your host, Josiah, and today is part two of Amy and MG, a pastor married to an atheist. I'm going to leave this intro really short and, and get us right back into their story. Enjoy. And this is part two of Amy and MG, and we just heard about the coming out of the atheist closet reception right around the time that Amy is about to become an actual paid, was it full-time or part-time pastor? What is that? I don't know if it matters so much for this discussion, but yeah, no, it was full-time. So it worlds are colliding, right? Worlds are colliding. And it, it sounds like you guys were genuinely trying to be loving and caring with one another, despite having a sort of existential crisis. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, mm-hmm. we tried. Didn't always succeed, but we definitely tried. Yes. What could have happened in an alternate universe is, you know, some sort of fundamentalism either way of like, I can't be with this person because they, they represent everything I despise or, you know, whatever you want to simplistic, mm-hmm. you, however you want to oversimplify that sort of choice to say, no, thank no. you. But yeah, but I, Sorry, I have an um, analogy that I always tell some of my my faith friends that I or community when they're like, are you OK? And I'm like, yeah, you should ask MG that, too, because it's kind of like a vegan marrying a butcher. <laughs> like they're just two separate worlds that both parties have to be willing to, like, agree to keep going together. Anyway, sorry. So what you were saying just made remember, remember that. It's like that that famous quote from that uh, that space movie, Star Wars. Oh yeah, that you, one. Know, you know you know the one. I've heard of it. I've yeah. heard of it. Where, where, where Yoda, the the little green goblin guy, and he says you should try everything. It's not like you can only do or don't. Huh. Wait, hold on. What is the quote <laughs> now? You're making me have to. <laughs> yeah, it's I thought a it do or do, do not. There. I thought it was no do try. or do not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's. it's in in kind terms, that's garbage. <laughs> like, you, thinking that you can only do or don't do something is is so problematic. It's such a scary way to live. And we, one of the earliest things we decided, it's like we're, we can at least try this. Like sure. we're not saying it's going to work. We're not saying it's not it's 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 going to be fantastic. But to just give up because of the possibility of what th- something could be seemed more egregious to us. So. Well, there's even a historical precedent, I think, within church history itself to say that you y'all aren't the first to ask questions uh, at a bare minimum, like what what does something a little bit different look like? Maybe not specifically as it pertains to two different ideologies being married to one another, but I think there's a, a rich history of, of folks asking tough questions and at least having what, you know, I, I guess this is a shameful thing to have as a good evangelical, um, but have doubts about whether or not you have it all figured out, right? But, there's, a, but, yeah. there's a concrete reason why I did not 
uh, go public with, I'm having doubts about my faith, but went public once I had gotten to the point that I could say one way or the other, specifically because of that. Like it is insidious how widespread that, that mentality of if somebody doesn't agree or somebody leaves the church, they were never a Christian mm-hmm. or they're simply questioning. They're simply doubting. It's like, there are times when that's true. And someone may tell you when that's true, but there are times when that's false. And if you don't believe somebody, when they tell you something about that, how are you learning at this point? How are you engaging with something real and not just a construct in your mind of what you think that person is? Hmm. It's, it's, yeah, it, there's a reason why it took so long. Two, two things bear, come to mind. Cause on one hand, I'm married to, uh, well, I, I like to say I'm the nurse's husband because I find it a little demeaning for people to to reduce her to a pastor wife, right? That drives me absolutely crazy. And plus, like, she makes way more money than me, so she's the actual breadwinner, and that flies in the face of a whole bunch of evangelical upbringing and complementarianism and sexism and all the isms. And, and I have a daughter, so I'm probably not even a closeted feminist in a lot of ways, and that stuff just really bothers me. But that's neither here nor there. There's, there's a full-on... I don't know, paradigm that's sort of assumed in the marital relationship of a pastor, right? Like what you're like at home and what you're like at the church and all these expectations and what your children are like and and the assumption that they must already have the Bible memorized, right? They're five. They can read, can't they? Wait, what? You know, all these ridiculous assumptions. So two, two actual, honest, hopefully thoughtful questions I have for you both is, what was it like to have these ongoing discussions at home, theological, ideological, philosophical? And what was it like to, to still function in, in a church world? And I, I'm wondering how long after, I guess this is a third question or part two of the second question, what the, what the church engagement looked like um, after you came out of the closet, MG? Um, they're definitely... I don't think there ever was a point when I made some kind of like public announcement to everybody at the church that I was not a uh, believer anymore. It was, I don't owe them <laughs> at some point. Fair. Like, Fair I, don't, I don't need to make a press conference about that. But uh, it definitely became a, I, I have other beliefs that uh, involve me being radically honest. I, I, I'm, I'm, pretty forthwith and, and honest about stuff even if people don't ask <laughs> so like i as soon as i got to that point i was totally fine still being a part of the bible study and house church that we were leading at that time being honest with people and being like no i don't i don't really count myself as a christian anymore and i think that's kind of how it all came out as though i did i was calculated when i told amy that i was no longer a believer but when the rest of the church found out it was people who I cared about who learned it from me, therefore spreading it to other people or Amy telling people who it mattered to at the church. Yeah. Before I got hired, when they extended the job offer to me, I did give a preference of FYI, uh, MG doesn't go to church anymore. Believe in God. Is that an issue? Um, So he was still around and people knew him relationally and saw him. So it was maybe shocking news. There was, it was kind of a, for me, because I continued to go to church and continue to be a part of that community, there was some like, that's weird, MG is <laughs> not coming anymore, 
or MG's not singing anymore, or MG's just zoning out while things are happening. Like, I, I no, did no. go for a good while. I just want to clarify. I did keep going to church for quite a while. Yeah. And by church, went, like Sunday morning worship gathering. Is that, is that what we're uh, talking helping, about? Helping like community things as well. Like when they would do community events where they clean things up and whatnot, I would go help with some of those. But Yeah, I would say probably for the first year, yeah. you continued with some of it and then just slowly trailed <laughs> off kind of. I, I also had significant theological and practical problems with the, the leader of that church and with some of the ways that that church went about uh, doing things. So yeah, there there were a lot of issues there. there. I mean, it's layers. It's not. It wasn't just cut and dry. So, um, yeah, you still came, and especially if I was like, "Hey, there's a thing. I really need your support. Would you be willing to come?" Or, <laughs> like, when he stopped coming, I was like, "Well, at least will you like come for Easter with me?" Um, things like that. But he. Uh, so there was a tension. There was a tension. Understanding that, uh, as a pastor, Amy, you had this potential. Uh, depending on who you were talking to or answering to liability potentially to your ministry i mean yeah what's funny about that is so the staff at the church were in my perspective very supportive and very much like well we're hiring you not him so who cares okay Um, which is not is kind of not standard for some churches youth youth pastors a two for deal right when you hire a youth pastor you get the youth pastor and their partner absolutely well that's not like the church didn't they didn't that way but there are many churches yes that's why i asked that's why i asked that but uh the church that i work for was very um did not have that focus and i was very appreciative of that and they were very like affirming of who I was and the journey that I was on in that moment of still like now having to process a lot of these things and process my own faith um, and what I was discerning it would be moving forward, especially as a leader in the church. Um, So there was a lot that I, that went very well. And I don't think that I would have been able to work at a lot of other churches, but this specific church and their mindset and approach worked really well. And the, the reason situation. the reason I say liability is not because I'm trying to say MG is a liability. Please, oh, no. please let me clarify. I say liability because my wife would occasionally be working a Saturday night, 12 hour shift, not go to bed, still show up on Sunday morning as the dutiful wife that she was. And every now and then I would say, just go to sleep. It's fine. <laughs> but we would hear about that. Right. Because that. Well, why isn't she here? I'm like, because she needs to sleep because she just worked all night because she has little kids and we need energy for them. Mm-hmm. It just the expectations and the it, it's all a perspective thing. It's all a perception thing. But yeah, I think that most of the kind of oddly, I never got questions about MG from parents or from other members of the church. I don't know if they just thought I wasn't married. Or if um, I did, there I, there were times where I did like speak at a women's retreat and with MG's approval, like I shared my faith journey and he was a part of that through his decision to walking away and me having to like decide if I was going to stay connected to faith or not. And I think so a lot of people knew through that weekend experience about um, MG's stances. So there wasn't a lot of that. I feel when a kind of one of the reasons why I said all enough is like it did become a deal for me to get my ordination was his um so the church 
the church that I worked for was fine. The district had some some concerns about that. Um, and did MG have to get interviewed too? Oh, yeah. Actually, MG did have. So I I think you're you're ordained, right? So you're familiar with the whole yeah. So the like weekend retreat getaway, MG had to go to. Um, and he had to, like, I couldn't finish the process if he didn't come with me. So Angie was a fantastic support and partner and was like, I'll do it if this means something to you. And, um, we even had to have our, we even got to have our own private one-on-one that no one else had to do. Um, if if I can put a a thing, no, 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 please. I, I want you to continue the story. One of the things that I do want to like a little snippet that I want to get across before we go into this, because it was really important with how we went there when we would have our talks about her getting into ministry and me being opposed to ministry at a certain level. Um, one of the things that we would talk about frequently, I remember that I would tell you about this is that I, I have my own issues with the concepts of flags, for instance, because I'm a crazy leftist. (laughs) Um, I would, I remember telling her like, I will not wave this flag with you. I'm not going to help you when your church does a, promotional event when you try to evangelize people or if you help the homeless where you are preaching to the homeless they're like there's costs involved with that I'm not going to help you with that but I will always be there to hold you up like I will hold you up even if you're holding a different flag than I support but I'm not going to hold this flag for you Hmm. and that that became a when it came into challenge at this, uh, when the whole ordainment process started and they started like putting up like, whoa, 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 like this, this has never happened before, that kind of thing. Um, there was a certain amount of aplomb that we had going into it where we were able to just kind of navigate some of it almost naturally because it's like, but Amy's like, I know that he supports me. He doesn't support this, but he supports me. And when they asked like, well, would MG be fun coming in for an interview? I'm like, of course, because I support her and I'm capable of answering my own questions and I'm capable of being kind when I need to and throwing a fit when I need to, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm capable of these things. Like we, even before that, when we had the, the few years when she was a pastor and I was an atheist and we were happy people <laughs> doing both of those things, like it really helped going into this. Sorry for interrupting, yeah. please. No, that's good. Like, a little aside, I want to. Throw it. Yeah, because you had a special yeah. one-off. It sounds like, and that's laying the groundwork for it. So it's helpful. It's helpful for me. Yeah, and it was, I think, because also, but because ordination in the Nazarene Church is like the fastest you could do it, which no one can do it this fast, is like three years because of all the education and the three years of being in full-time ministry and hours you have to log and all of that. It might because- be four now, by the way. Well, I, um, so stupid. Um, I was lucky enough that because I had my bachelor's in youth ministry, my master's in pastoral counseling, I had almost all the educational credits taken care of. So I just had to do like four or five classes, I think. And then my, my full-time ministry, which I was already involved with at the time. So the, after this multi-year process had also been like the journey of us figuring out how we were going to support and interact one another with these different challenges. So by the time it got to that, that, uh, I don't remember what it's called, the like weekend getaway to like, assess. that was not a yeah. getaway, but I don't know. Anyway, yeah. the, to get assessed for 
ordination for ordination yeah um we were in a solid enough place to that whatever they were kind of like worried about we were able to kind of be like they weren't ready for us (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah that that was a whole other journey so what was the special thing you guys had to do that no one else had to do on this weekend i was just a specific one-on-one with the lead of the district Gotcha. Um, so the lead of the district. Oh, okay. There was another thing too. Um, I'm going to give a little more context to this part, but uh, though for the weekend getaway, we just had to have a special one-on-one with the lead of the district to have an opportunity for him to get to know MG and suss things out a little bit, whatever. For him to tell us how big of an ask this was and how much this had never happened before and it was really up to him whether he was willing to give us a chance yeah it was a little weird um nice anyway guy. so an extra step that i had to do some context to this was um i had gone to my second interview that you have to do an annual interview for those who are not familiar once a year you have to go in and sit with like three members of the district board and they'll ask you questions. Um, Old white but, guys. <laughs> Always. I think I think so. Always. Sorry. Um, anyway, um, so <laughs> the second year I go through the interview and then at the end of it, they got kind of quiet and they're like, hey, we just want to let you know that we're actually not going to push you forward for ordination. And um will like and one one of them was like keep going because not everyone on the district was in an agreement with this decision um that the board had made and so some of them were like no keep going we want to support you in this and i was just like i will keep moving forward and we'll see what happens but anyway throughout the next year there was a lot of discussion of why they were choosing to not let my they were not going to push forward my application and the main reason I was given was because they're like, well, we don't, we just don't know if the general superintendent would like approve of you actually getting ordained. And we really don't want you to get your feelings hurt. And I was like, cool. Well, my feelings are my own. So let me decide if I want to deal with that. And so then my, the, at some point between like the second and third district interview, I like went back and forth and finally have this discussion with the um the lead of the district and uh he's like well okay like if you think this is something you want to do what I'll have you do is at this year's district assembly you are going to have a meeting with a general superintendent and have him like get to know you and ask you some questions to see if he would be willing to put your application forward for ordination the next year so I had to have a separate one-on-one with the general superintendent the year before I got ordained just to even see if he would consider moving my application forward to see if it was worth submitting. Um, So that was an extra step that I had to take because of of MG's thing, which was funny because the general superintendent was like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Like he, he is like, I don't know if this is a big deal. Like, are you following God? Are you doing what you can to feed yourself? Are you like, is he not disrupting what you're doing? And I'm like, yep, all those things. And he's like, okay, you're good. So <laughs> the district had kind of made it this big thing. The general superintendent was like, this isn't that weird. Like, it's not like it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen all the time, but it's not as uncommon as what the people here are thinking that it is. It was beyond a fear of change. 
a fear of the possibility of change. Yeah. It's just incredible. Well, anyway, so I that those Sorry. are the extra things I had to do. But yeah, and I couldn't have colored hair. What what uh what year did you get ordained? Well, yeah, let's start there. What year did you get ordained? Uh 2019. And when did you for what year did you start pastoring officially as a paid like full on pastor pastor? It was 14. I think it was 2014. Something around there. And yeah. it was around that time or a little before when MG came out of the atheist closet, right? Yeah. Okay. I I feel like we had my memory timeline is around January of that year, 2014. He had expressed it to me what he'd been going through. And then in May of that same year, I was an intern for the current youth pastor while he transitioned out. And then at the end of the summer, I took over full time. So you had something like four to five years of pastoring with a spouse who is, I don't know, perceivably the antithesis of what you're doing and then leading up to full on ordination. So a couple of things strike me. One, like you continue to choose to, to pursue ordination and based on what I've heard from both of you, it's not like you, you were actively trying to undermine one another, right? That would be the assumption in any sort of evangelical, like, well, I'm sorry, but they're like, uh, one is good and one is evil. So they're always fighting, right? Like that's, of course, <laughs> this is, could never work. If what? this was a Kevin Sorbo movie, maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> obviously, right? I mean, there's so many, so many of those wonderfully made uh, Jesus movies yeah. that would speak a different hey, truth. If, to... they, if they need we were... me for God's Not Dead Three or whatever's going oh, on my next, goodness. like, yeah, let me let me know, man. Oh, I might, I, I can might... be your cartoon villain. <laughs> I might lose followers, but I can't stand those movies. I oh, never, I didn't have any interest in watching them after hearing their content. I was like, those just sound like it's just, so well, stupid. Once I, I remember getting the wave of texts and calls from literally everybody in my family and several outside of it telling me the same thing that they had, the, the impetus in the movie at the end where it's like, you got to text the people that you care about that are questioning their faith. Like, yeah it's real let me yeah. let me just apologize on behalf of i guess my tribe sort of mg that that <laughs> happened to you oh sweet baby jesus I, i'll at least say i think while misguided maybe they were still trying to say that they cared about you on some level right maybe <laughs> the whole thing well, right that's well, a whole other thing oh, yeah, that's a, in the same way that i i I don't represent all atheists and you don't represent all pastors. Like at, at, at some level, there's, there's also, I, I can't judge all of these people for this and same way that you can't judge me for all of this, but sure, there's nuance, it's, right? It's, it, it's complicated and there's nuance, but at some level, like how you feel about something that you tell somebody is half of it. Absolutely. How that other person is going to take that is also half of it. Sure, you don't get fair. to conveniently disregard half of that transaction oh. because you had good intentions. It's that, like, absolutely. cool. I'm glad that you had good intentions. I'm glad that you had you meant well by me. But please consider that there are two parties. In this. Sure, that's that's absolutely fair. Uh, I I stand corrected. No. Um, the <laughs> the five years though of because when did that even come out? That came out before you were ordained. So that oh, yeah. you had you had Christian cultural moment after Christian cultural moment, probably that you guys got to navigate together throughout those five years of ministry, right? Yeah, I I would say so. But I also am really bad at staying in tune with 
pop with culture and kind of staying in my own little world. So there was a lot, like I didn't take any of my kids to the standard Christian movies because I was like, nah, those are dumb. <laughs> We're not going. <laughs> Parents would text and be like, oh, you guys should really check this out. I'm like, we could. But I want to see a good movie. So <laughs> let's yeah. watch something that's actually decent. And not um, traumatizing. Right? Like Even. the best the best good movies I could get away with when I was a youth pastor, and this was this was a while ago, was like Nacho Libre and uh, <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. I just found them entertaining and fun, and they were safe, like PG-rated movies that I was allowed to show. But I grew up with with The Princess Bride, and and well, I was basically it. That was all that was, was allowed to be shown ever. But yeah, we tried watching The Goonies, and then I realized there's like eight cuss words in it. Yeah, yeah so that was too. fun. Yeah, I had to like count it and then like pause. <laughs> I just muted the mic for the moment. <laughs> and I was like, well, we're doing it. Me, which is so stupid because anyway. Well, like kids don't go to public school and hear things all the time. Yeah. So I want I want to shift the questions a little bit to, to present day. Um there's there's probably a couple things that have happened since ordination. Ordination for for an oversimplified explanation it's sort of like you're a lifer now you're a pastor for life should you choose to be unless you do something especially egregious well selectively egregious i would say you could do a lot of egregious things and still be a pastor but there's three selectively egregious things uh that i think kind of encapsulate what will get you booted and that's uh doing stuff with money that you're not supposed to um preaching a heresy that that's kind of up for debate too. You can be tried for heresy, which is fun. And then um, I, th- I think uh, I think it's I don't know if it's exclusively just adultery. Um, period. I think you can come back from that, but like adultery, especially with a minor, will get you booted immediately. Um, so when that also assumes that you're married, right? So uh, anything with a minor <laughs> will be you're just gone. That's one yeah. thing I think maybe we got right that. Never mind. I'm not going to throw shade at other denominations. Um, but at some point, uh, maybe did something start to shift in in you, Amy? Um, not to say that you're both actively subconsciously trying to convert one another or anything like that. But at some point, there there's something that happened with your relationship with the church because you're no longer a pastor. So I'm I'm curious what happened with that. Where did that where did that come from? Where did that start to happen? Did you start having some frustrations or what led you to leaving the ministry? I will use my, because a lot of it to me was started as a faith related experience. So after I was ordained, which is definitely something that I solely pursued after feeling like God was saying, don't give up, keep going. Um, Otherwise, I didn't really care. I didn't take it or leave it. Like I said, this was the first Nazarene church that I like fully invested in. So I wasn't someone who like some of the some of the weird thing about Nazarenes that I've met that have been like lifelong Nazarenes is they're like ride or die. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, anyway, so after I, I did the ordination thing, then I had like really felt like, okay, like maybe it's going to be time for you to move on soon. Like you did the things that you were supposed to like, let's start, um, like, like, so I started to like kind of mentally prepare myself for like, what does that look like? Am I ready for that? And it was really hard to contemplate and think about that because 
I really loved where I was at. I loved the people that I worked with. I loved the students that I had. Um, and it was all a pretty good setup. And then I feel like there had always been some things that I kind of thought a little differently about than the Nazarene church. And some of those things that I thought a little differently about than some of the leadership team on the church that I worked for. And I felt like some of those things started to get bigger and bigger. Um, and I had like been in conversation with the, we had just moved like church buildings and there's a lot of big things happening for the church. Um, and I, I felt like I tried to communicate with the lead pastor, like, Hey, I feel like God's asking me to do something different. I don't know what it is. And so, um, there was some discussion about maybe that just means a different role at this church, which I would never really felt comfortable with. But I was like, yeah, maybe, um, but anyway, I feel like more and more of those things came up and more just like the, I cannot stay here and I should not be in this role of this place anymore. And then I kind of wrestled with that for like a year before I was finally like, now I got to get out of here. Um, and some of the things that like, I started to like, be like, I don't believe this way, but this is pretty hardcore what y'all believe. Like, I don't think homosexuality is a sin. And I don't think that living with your partner before marriage is a sin. Like there are these things that are, I don't think drinking is a sin. And a lot of like key things that, um, I would get into some discussions about either with students, like I'm not like I, I don't have an issue with transgender kids and I want to like say, be who you are, not you need to like think and pray about who you should be. And then you'll be find true happiness um, in the sense of what maybe the evangelical church or the church that I was connected with would believe. And um, so there was always those sub awkward conversations that I had with students. I was like, well, I believe that homosexuality is not, I'm still wrestling with that, but here's what our church believes. They believe it's bad. And I kind of got sick of having those conversations. They just didn't sit well with me. Um, and then kind of in 2020, when the big social justice push started again, maybe after the George Floyd murder and a lot of things like that, um, I was like starting to take in information and be like, look, this is a, this is a, a topic that whether I fall on either side, like students are talking about this and we need to talk about it. Kind of like, I don't know, I don't know if anyone remembers like when the show 13 Reasons came out, um, it was on Netflix and it was um, about a girl who left 13 tapes for the 13 reasons why she committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm like, kids are watching this. We need to talk about these things. So I'm gonna talk about it. Same thing with social justice. like this is happening. Like we need to talk about it. And I had gotten to a few conversations about what that should look like with the lead pastor for our church and representing who our church was trying to be. And I had at some point posted a podcast that I was like, this is great. I think that this is fits the parameters that I had talked about with the lead pastor felt a little weird posting it, but I was like, you know what? I got to put it out there because I want to start being a part of this conversation and I want to help other people learn how to be a part of this conversation as I'm learning it. It wasn't even a champion that like, this is what I think it was a, these are other views that different Christians have. We should listen to even those with other views. Like, how do you feel about this? What, what do you think is right and wrong about this? Yeah. The, the post on, on Facebook was like, Hey, 
this is what I've been taking in. What are some things you were taking in? Like, give me your thoughts on this. It was a discussion um, starter. Yes, that was the point of it. Um, but I didn't. <laughs> That's what we thought it was. But it <laughs> well, ended up being. No, it was still a discussion Sorry. starter, just not the discussion <laughs> I wanted. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so some of my volunteers who were very much more on the fundamentalist side um, that I had gotten into some issues with before they got mad whenever I said taking communion was like being a vampire um, <laughs> and things like that like how I was talking about how weird Christianity is I'm like yeah it's like we sound like vampires we're talking about drinking the blood of Christ that's weird and that's a, anyway so anyway so they had some issues with that so they listened to the podcast and then on my volunteer list we had a facebook messenger where we all communicated and they put a nice long lovely post about what was wrong with the podcast um and then called the lead pastor and let him know that i but what i had done essentially um and then the lead pastor listened to it and he from my perspective was in more alignment with what their side of what their understanding of what the podcast was saying which then led to kind of like our first like big disagreement and then a lot of emotional and mental, it was also like mid 2020. So like, we're all just barely hanging on. Seriously. Um, so then after that happened, it was a kind of, to me, it felt like a very big blowout. Like I ended up leaving for a week um, and just like kind of dropping my duties and was like, all right, guys, lead volunteers you've got to take care of all of this i'm out um which is something that never happened and so i think the volunteers were like what's going on um we should also but, be clear that the pastor that she's working with didn't make his view on either of these known plus or, or like good or bad he just didn't want rocking of the boat <laughs> he did not speak out saying that that was wrong or that was right or that he opposed one or the other thing he just did not like that amy had done something beyond what he, had, he was comfortable well, leading with even though well, he had said before that he would have her back yeah and well again it was kind of strange because it was the i thought you understood what i what was okay acceptable to share and i was like i thought i did do so i didn't know i was doing something wrong how about you say um, what it is you was 2020 threw everything out the window though right like that's what's so profound about that year it changed a lot and um, it shown lights on things that hadn't had lights shown on them in a very, very long time. <laughs> well, and I'll say too, like everyone is already mentally taxed and mentally strained. So it's not like we all were our best selves in those moments, but there was definitely some like things that I've had to work through and how that was handled that were hurtful. Um, and I don't fully, again, we all were our best selves and it was also a very hurtful situation for me. Um, so with that, I went away for a week and came back and me and the, um, the lead and associate pastor uh, sat down and they're like, well, do you think you can stay here? And I was like, I actually don't know. I think I'm out. I've been thinking about leaving for a while. And this just gave me the window to say peace. Um, and I, at that time, as I was still processing a lot of that, I was like, I'm not leaving because of our argument, because if I felt like I needed to stay here. Then I would sort this out, but I feel like I don't need to stay here. Um, so I'm going to do what God's been asking me to do for a while and step away, um, so, which is how it was also then presented to everyone. It wasn't like MG 
converted her. She's now yeah yeah. No. <laughs> MG. Not, not not well. MG has very different perspectives than I do. Well, that's what I was gonna ask. MG, uh, just out of curiosity, personally, she's getting ordained. Um, and it sounded like you were supportive, right? I, I guess mm-hmm. maybe you had some personal preferences that who knows, right? But like, were you fine with with Amy just pursuing lifelong ministry? Like that wasn't even. I mean, one just, of the one of the biggest things that I was able to I don't want to say rationalize, but one of the reasons why I was able to be okay with her being in ministry is because I was fully confident that she the things that she stood for and the things that she was effectuating in her ministry was helping people that needed help hmm. and being showing love to people who hadn't experienced love hmm. and and helping just being there to help people and I I was able to be okay with all this because I was confident that when it came down to it, Amy wasn't there to proselytize. Amy was there to help people. And if something else happened with that, like, sure, whatever. She wasn't going to help the homeless in Portland because she was going to add her, add to her stats of conversions (laughs) for the week. She was doing it because people needed help. And she was, she was involving her youth in this because she when we would talk about this, she would communicate that people aren't like Christian youth aren't even comfortable being around homeless people because they see them as dangerous or dirty or wrong, but they need to be around them because these are the people that they're called to help. And no matter why I think somebody needs that help, I believe that people need help. Mm-hmm. Like whether, whether I believe like from my perspective that like, helping people ends up being good for everybody because I sure hope other people want to help me when I need it or whether there is a giant spaghetti monster in the sky that tells you to help people. Like no matter the reason, I know I'm being silly about this, but no matter the reason I was confident that she was helping people. And that was what mattered to me more when, when I saw that her being in an act of ministry meant she was able to help people much more effectively than if she wasn't. Mm. That was why I was totally fine with her getting ordained because I didn't believe she was doing this as some kind of evangelistic tool. She was doing it as something that was equipping her, giving her better tools to help people that needed it. And a sticker, gold star, merit badge ordained so I could wear it on my coat. If, 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 if there was any kind of barrier that she could pass with that gold badge of ordainment that she couldn't have passed before, and that meant that she could help more people and show more people love, it totally made sense to me that I'm going to support her in this. Mm-hmm. I will certainly make it known that it, I, I don't want, I don't support like the flag she's waving and I'm not on board with that, but I'm on board with her and I care about mm-hmm. helping people. <laughs> It's really interesting. We had this existential moment in our marriage where my wife basically just point blank. And again, my wife still could probably fit the archetype perfect pastor's wife because she's just all the things that everyone hopes for, but in the best way possible. Not like not like the bad things. Like she's just genuinely loving, caring, empathetic, good listener, all the things, responsible, all the things. But at some point, in it, it was in the midst of 2020, and probably for some similar reasons. Um she just said, Hey, maybe you shouldn't be a lead pastor anymore. And so that was like a little different coming from her. She's still, you know, we have, we have the same, uh, well, we have the same arena of faith and all that stuff that we, we subscribe to, but for, for you two, what was that conversation like? Because I'm sure 
you guys obviously trust each other with life's big decisions, but was there some sort of MG? Was there some sort of like, well, I need to try to be objective in some way, or I mean, like, what does that look like to support your wife as she's considering walking away from something she spent much of her life pursuing? I know that this will sound contrary, and I'm going to lose some of my atheist cred by <laughs> saying this because atheists, boy, they 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 love that objectivity, but everything about this everything about me being supportive of her everything about what i how i interpreted her doing this was in the arena of subjectivity that if if we lose this concept of subjectivity we learn we lose what provides meaning to the objective data like mm. i'm all about data i'm all about science i love it i like literature because it provides meaning out of that data i believe that something has to happen for it to become meaningful otherwise it's just data and when I see her doing what is right, not necessarily what is holy or sanctified or whatever, but what is what is right or what is good, maybe that's a better D and D term. You know, we're we're doing good. And, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, when when I see somebody doing good, there is a part of it certainly that I need to look at. Why are they doing good? But that's something that like that can be talked about inside the. I'm proud of you for doing good. I'm proud of Amy for doing good. We have different reasons for why we do good, but we both want to do good together, you know? <laughs> and when we get into doing good and finding out how we can do good, we can talk about why that is or our reasons behind doing it or how we can avenues. be more effective. What was that? Our avenues in which we're doing it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like that's, that's great. Yeah, and like one of the things that MG has always been in our relationship is a you do what you need to do I'm not here to tell you what that is um so when I said I need to step away from this there wasn't a real I mean because of the situation there was a lot of feelings around what had happened but there was also a lot of like no this is what you need to do do it she's a a free moral agent just as much as I am (laughs) So let's let's wrap up with some some yeah. uh, questions for for those listeners that are still engaged in some sort of church ministry or participation. Let's let's uh, let's get some objective hot takes or just say, hey, I've been in it for a while and I have some thoughts. The first one, though, might sound a little silly, but I think it has everything to do with like the state of the church. Because you guys have navigated some interesting things. For the record, I have kept score. Carry over from the first episode, the uh, how millennial evangelical y'all are. Six, six for seven. I had ten questions. We can we can throw a fun one in there real quick, and then ask the serious questions. Um, just for the sake of uh, millennial evangelical cred, how many camp conversions, altar calls did you guys make growing up? Like how many times did you ask Jesus in your heart to make sure you didn't go to hell? If it's more than once, we're scoring a point. Was it more than once? Oh, yeah. What's funny when you asked that out, when you were saying you were going to ask those form of questions, that was one of the first ones that came to mind. I'm like, you have to ask how many times we got saved. (laughs) I will say, I think that, boy, it's complicated. It's just my answer for everything. But like, I... I remember even when I was a believing Christian, like I had one that I would credit as like when I became saved and there were many other points where I rededicated myself or I, I reached some new epiphany about what I needed to do or something like that. But I, I definitely didn't have that experience of like, now I'm really safe. And that last time didn't count, but now, oh, now I'm really, really safe. Like, 
I, I definitely was a one saved experience, but definitely was a camp. So <laughs> uh, I'm going to count it then because it had to be a camp sure. thing, right? Like yeah. the millennial event. So it, with the silly question out of the way, with hindsight as well, if you had to do it all over again, I mean, it, you, are you, would you have done it differently? That's one of the fun age old questions, right? Yeah, it's really interesting. We were debating. You're going to get two big directions in this so <laughs> yeah so for me the answer is no like I am thankful for the experiences that I had and the people that I got to invite and give different perspectives um and that the church that I got to work in I got to effect um what's the word um effectuate no make help some changes happen changes in perspective um happen and like how you approach how you preach how you see other people um i broke the stupid rule that <laughs> that girls can't wear two pieces while a t-shirt over them i like threw that rule out real fast and just like i got to do little things like that that i think were beneficial and again also because of who mg has grown to be i was able to have a, a broader and better understanding i think of who god actually is and is asking us to be so mg you have a different answer it sounds like uh that's tough for me <laughs> like uh at some point it's like i who who knows like what what if the world was made of pudding like yeah wouldn't that be cool like if i could go back and change things like it's really hard because i knowing the things I know now, sure. Like I would like things to be different, of course. Oh, sorry, a dog just jumped. No, no, she's okay. no we're good. Um, at, at some point, like, yes, I would love to change things, but it, one of the most difficult concepts for me to think of in that regard is that I know who I was when I was a young evangelical Christian teen who just wanted to go out and save the entire world through playing ska music, you know? <laughs> like, I know who I was. I don't believe that there's anything that I could have, if I could go back and tell myself to do it different. I don't think there's anything I would listen to. I don't think there's any way I could helpfully communicate with young MG to tell him like, you really need to think about why you're doing what you're doing, or you need to think about whether these things that you think are advantageous or loving or caring. Like, and you think, is this really what's happening? Like, I don't believe that, young MG would listen to old MG with things like this. And so it's, it's a, it's a thought space that I have trained myself not to go into of what if things could be different because I, it's not helpful for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry not, if that's not a good answer. No, it's fine. They're not. Here we are. The reason I ask no. and, and uh, part of my own existential I don't, I don't know that I want to be a lead pastor anymore. I'm still on the fence about being a pastor, if I'm honest. Um, and I'm pretty blunt too. Um, I'm credited with being an especially blunt pastor. So MG, just for the record, really appreciate just brutal honesty most of the time. I love that. It's my jam. And my wife always is reminding me, she's like, that's, that's socially uncomfortable for other people though. I'm like, oh, okay. Sorry. My bad. Um, there's this sort of romanticizing of the good old days, right? And always looking backwards instead of sort of thinking through what it is to move forward and, and progress through the world we live in and, and, you know, being reactionary instead of, uh, yeah, all that stuff. So that's why, that's part of why I asked that question. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just 
overanalyze and and then we i don't know we do some interesting things when we look backwards when we look at the past so second question um let's uh let's do a two two let's make the last two questions one question i'm curious where you guys go from here um i don't know amy if you still are engaged with any sort of faith community or any church or if that's sort of a thing that's up in the air but uh i'm just interested what's the future look like for y'all with with the different worldviews that you may have in life but i'm also curious to hear your thoughts on where the church is going as well so the future of of these sorts of conversations okay so for me um after leaving that community that i was involved with for almost 10 years i did have a lot of frustrations also and just going um, because I believed that these were things, social justice things were things churches to talk about. And if churches aren't willing to talk about the things, and I realized all the things they weren't talking about, not just this, but how narrow their focus was um, and how in the guise of the idea of loving people, they were actually loving them less. And I really struggled with trying to find um, a church and what that would look like. And then I actually found through um, a random Facebook event that they did, they did a, they let their, help their students lead a Black Lives Matter um, rally. And MG and I went to that. And I was like, cool, this church like is letting their students take a chance and do something. And um, they're talking about this idea. And so I actually can, uh, started going to that church off and on and a little bit the church that I had been working at previously because there's still a lot of processing for that before I felt like I could fully step away from that community. Um, so I'm kind of still connected to church. Um, moving to a new city, I feel overwhelmed and very anxious about trying to find a new church community because I feel like the majority of churches that I've seen are what I have grown to believe what a don't fully encompass what I think church could be or a church that I would uh, fully engage and um, appreciate or feel safe in to a degree even. Um, Cause uh, again, when I was applying at churches after I left and was still trying to figure out before I got this job that I have now, um, there was every interview was tell me what you think about masks. Tell me what you think about black lives matter movement. Tell me what you think about vetting you. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what I was vetting them. Like I was like, before we get far, I need to know what you guys think about this. Cause oh, if I you see. don't think if we don't think the same on your thoughts on homosexuality, these these two or three other things and I won't work here. <laughs> yeah. So, and it was really interesting that most of the churches were like, well, actually one of the, the, the camps that I had applied for wouldn't hire me because of my perspective clashed with them on um, homosexuality, but there, um, a lot of the churches were like, well, here's, we don't really have like an official stance, but like, this is kind of what we think about those things. Man, wouldn't it be great if we could talk about social justice, but everyone in our congregation would just get so mad. So we aren't talking about it. I don't really know how to do it. And so I was like, cool. So after like interviewing at several churches, I was like, I'll never find one that I fit in again. 
and finding the one, uh, the other church that I started going to in Vancouver, Compass Church, um, I was like, I feel like I can relate and connect and um, like this is a place where I, I respect what they're doing and they're trying. And then um, last couple of weeks ago, I got to go back up to Vancouver, their in-person church and both of their pastors are leaving. So I don't know what my connection to that will be. And my idea is like, I want to find a faith community. I don't know that I'm done doing ministry, but I do need a break for now. Mm. Um, and I, my hope for the church is right now pretty grim because <laughs> I, because of these continued interactions, I went and gave blood this week and I went to a church and in there, they had a church library and they had a section called end times. And that's never a good sign. And they had like they had the like family family movie section. They had fireproof that dumb marriage movie. And they I was like, oh yeah, this is what the churches are still. And so I because sifting through and like what again when I was applying, like trying to find statements of beliefs outside of we believe in God and Jesus churches don't have that you have to dig to find mm-hmm. what they really believe yeah and even the 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 church that i started going to in vancouver their denomination which doesn't reflect the the leadership of this church but like their denomination says women can't be lead pastors and so it's like every church there's always something that i'm like well this is dumb and i can't <laughs> commit to like represent like that's so, so I don't know if I'll keep my ordainment because I can't fully agree with the doctrine of the Nazarene church anymore. Like they, and, they think it sounds amenable when they say, well, our, our policy is this, but we don't really do that. Or our, our bylaws say this, but that's not really what we represent, but it really just comes across as I'm willing to stand for things that are you well, know abhorrent. And it, it's not a big enough deal for me to actually change something. That's, I don't think that's true either because there are some churches that are like fighting that like the people like that are in leadership at the church that I go to in Vancouver they're like trying to make a stand and being like this is a dumb rule women should be able to be lead pastors um but you can't like again like anything that's like a bureaucracy change takes time and when the people in leadership of that bureaucracy are people that are very focused on the way that they have seen the church should be so I don't know, that's kind of a long-winded answer, but I still am interested in ministry. Don't know what that will look like for me. I still want to stay connected to the Christian faith, uh, but my ideas and perspective of it have definitely shifted to a place where I don't see it in the majority of churches today. Uh, I don't totally disagree, or I don't I don't really disagree much at all, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I want to hear MG too. And, and again, I, I'll probably have to say something at the end because sometimes I get calls after these podcasts and especially from other pastors like, what the heck was that episode for? I didn't feel good afterwards. And I just want to say a thing. Sorry, MG. I do want to hear, I do want to hear your answer. Like we need to just have some self-awareness. Number one, number two, like we should not be above reproach, which means we should be fully able to, to make an accounting of ourselves. Right. Um, But also I just, I don't, I don't know how you make something better without sort of diagnosing what's terrible about it, right? Like what's desperately just problematic about it. And if there is a hard degree, right? (laughs) Hard degree. (laughs) So, so that's, that's part of my, my 
purpose for, you know, I, especially with any interview we've done with a nun or a don or someone that's left the church, like, what am I supposed to take from that? What am I supposed to take from that? <laughs> this is what you're supposed to take from that. Do better. You could do better. Please do better. Let's try to do better. But anyways, before, so like you asked an atheist what the church can do better. MG, uh, what do you think about the church, the future of it? What are your thoughts? Uh, hashtag thoughts and prayers. I don't know. Where, where are we at? Prolegamen, like and before we get into like that part, like on what you just said, like one of my core beliefs, if you can say that as an atheist, one of my core beliefs, like you don't have to have an answer to something that you see as wrong in order to say that something's wrong. Like you can look at a bad situation see, and say, this sucks. Like it shouldn't be this way. And you shouldn't have to have a perfect fix for that plan or like a, a, a way to remedy all of this just to say something's better than what's going on here. Like it's okay for me to not have an answer to how the church is. And I can still say there's some things that the church could do better. You know, that's sure. okay. I'm not a part of the church, but if, if you can't see that anybody can teach, can teach you something and you can get something from it, even if it's to say, I wish we weren't as much like this. Like I want to help people, whether you're a Christian yeah. or a pastor or whatever, like that I'm not in it to counter Christianity. I don't, I don't want to exterminate all religion, anything like that. Like we can learn from each other. So you could, you could serve a fellow human next to a, a religious Christian person. And that wouldn't, would not yeah cause issue for you yep i on if if you're asking on my view of the church or what the church can do better or change like i think that the church does have an important part in the world and i the church has been an important part of human culture forever and that's okay like that's that's fine like, like there's nothing wrong with that i think that as long as you're willing to listen to people and believe them when they say what's right and what's wrong like that's fine. Like people can disagree about stuff. That's okay. We've gotten, we've lived for a long time while disagreeing with each other. <laughs> it's been a great human experience. That's true. Um, I think that if, if the church wants to stay relevant at a cultural level, at a worldwide level, like there's some things they got to change. And I think where Amy and I do differ a little bit is that I think some things have to radically change and they have to change more quickly than people are going to be comfortable with. Like there are situations right now where, yes, you can say making a big change in how the church like approaches social justice or how the church tries to remedy like different types of views and how we can combat them or how we can integrate people who have different racial, uh, uh, political, sexual views. Like there, there's, there, things are going to need to change faster than the system allows them to right now. And at some point you have to say, hey, well, in order to make change, like we need to go through the proper protocols. Yes. <laughs> at some point in order to make change, you have to go around the protocols or you have to change the protocols. And from an outsider, <laughs> if I can get, get, get Christians to believe one thing from me and said, hey, listen, we're not always against you. And two, like sometimes you have to break the rules to change things and make things better. That's, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll look back on it and call it another reformation, probably, right? Hey, isn't that, isn't that the, 
history is going to editorialize itself you know when we have a new council of nicaea to decide what's right and wrong like it, it'll it'll happen you know that's that's the church is great at it yeah, i think if i hear another church say that during 2020 we we're going through another um oh not restoration what's the other one um where everyone gets really excited about their faith again a revival <laughs> revival yeah if i hear another church say we're going through a time of revival i'm like are we because everyone feels sucky and hates life like can we just acknowledge that first oh they're, they're gonna need to like identify what the win case is here like if the if the goalposts of the church staying relevant are the church stays what it is or the history of the church stays Continu continuous or the traditions of the church are maintained like you know it doesn't look good mm. it. it really doesn't look good for the church right now for staying the same as it was if the goalposts are to be a place where a community of people who believe something can come together and say because we believe this thing together we can change the world because of it and if people can look at that and say, we can do good because of this belief that we share, let's come together and do good. Like that's totally possible. That is something that can totally still happen. So there's hope. One, yeah. One of those is going to have to be jettisoned. And I'm really <laughs> afraid that the correct choice isn't going to be made. Uh, well, that's I, like, that's the other piece. Like some sure. of the books that I've read have been like, mostly around social justice have been like, y'all Christians missed the boat. So other people had to step up and now you're mad that other people are stepping up and that God isn't in enough of this when y'all ignored it. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, I just get that same sense that like there is a chance and there is more coming to light and we have the choice to make some of these changes. I just haven't seen evidence that we're willing to make those changes. Yeah. Not quickly anyway. I mean, maybe in 20 years. Don't think about it so much of, as how the pastors see this or how the Christians and the, the congregations see this. As that becomes the minority in America, you need to realize that the people you need to be look, like listening to about how the church is seen are the people who aren't in your pews. Like That's exactly why we do these episodes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Like if, if you're worried that more people are leaving church than ever, and that for the first time, it's not the majority in, in the United States, and you're only listening to, to the minority on why that's the case, you're not going to get good data. That's you're perpetuating that. the problem. Yeah, yeah. that's, I, I, I love that for you, but man, you're not going to get a good answer. You're going to get something that sounds great and that doesn't work. Uh, my hope, and hey, I'm curious uh, responses to this, either one of you, um, particularly if you, uh, if your name's MG and you're an atheist, I would really love your response to this. But uh, no, I, I feel want, targeted. I, I'm I sorry. I want, say, I want Amy's uh, response as well. The, the all, of, all of 2020, this is what I failed to do. I tried to make it pretty simple. I'm like, hey, if we say we believe this guy named Jesus is who he said he was, and he called us to be a certain way, he told us to love God with everything, which looked like, loving your neighbor as yourself, right? Like that the ultimate simple basic way we do this thing is just like we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. We need to treat them with respect, with dignity, with caring about them. That like if we could just do that, then we're doing church right. And that can look like some of the things y'all are talking about, but I guess that's where we get lost in the weeds, right? And that even as simple as I try to make it, 
I don't know. I, does that maybe fit what you're talking about, MG? Is that dangerously close or no? Am I way off? It's it's a it's a historical concept that goes back before Christianity. We have we have evidence of that in the in the temples of Ur in Babylon. Sure. You know, like but but the loving a, neighbor as itself piece. If we just got that right, that's what I'm asking about. That's what I'm trying to say is that like that is a a persistent ideology, no matter what church or group or whatever is is pushing it like the 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 concept of you know mutual self-aid of of saying like when i help other people it's in my best interest too like that's a very important thing and like i said before about like what what the church can do to make things better like if you're looking at it on how you can help other people people are going to be interested in that people care about being kind. People care about helping those who need it. You're going to start finding that people don't care about the church history saying the same as it was before, or the message of who's a a bad guy and who's a good guy isn't the same. Like people don't care about that anymore. People care about being kind to each other. Like it's still possible. Unless they don't, and then you get in trouble for it, right, Amy? <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Like, yeah, that's right. I was well. My first thought too, I'm doing saying it was like, yeah, that, and I'm whole, and if I can have a gun, then we're good. Like, show kindness, but if I can have a gun to protect protect myself too, then oh, there's always caveats. Yeah. Oh. I, yeah. It identifies what is important to them. <laughs> I think the tricky thing, like you were saying too. Josiah, you're talking about like, that's what your, your end goal is, but that looks different. And so churches might all have the same vision and mission statements, meaning the same things, but how they carry those out is such an important piece that I don't think um, there's maybe a full recognition of how that's carried out and how that makes such a big difference. Cause they're like, but we said the thing and this is what we're doing. And it's like, um, that was what nice. I think I failed to see in 2020. Honestly, it was just like, oh, I need to like pretty much make it black and white, like what this really looks like, because maybe it's lost in translation somehow. Yeah, even if you said it right, was it heard right? You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, yeah, it's the well, and that's like the endless goal I think of leadership. If you're going to lead people in any sense, is like having a vision and clearly defining what that is and saying it over and over and over again, even as it changes and be willing to talk about what that looks like. I think one of the frustrations that I had with some of the church leadership that I worked with was the lack of what I felt was um, to have any of the conversations around things that happened in 2020 is that as a person in leadership, you have the ability to step up and say something and direct people, even if it's going to be hard for them to hear you have this position of power to do something. And if you're unwilling to like do that, or maybe you just don't have the space to do that, like acknowledge that and maybe take a break, like figure out a way that you can clearly define what you think loving people looks like and, and then bring that back to the people you're leading. That was really well said. I think that's a, I think that's a great, spot to end this podcast on i think you wrapped it up nicely cleanly and concisely amy thank you very much she's kind of this brilliant super person i'm just just saying i'm kind of biased (laughs) well hey i mean i i was so intrigued by this potential conversation it did not disappoint i'm so thankful that both y'all decided to take time to do a two-part episode it got longer than we anticipated it being but 
thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for letting us share our stories and hopefully they can be helpful to someone. Hope so. I mean, they're helpful to me at the very least. So Counts. Part, we're good. We're cool. millennials, right? Participation trophies all around. So yes, we're oh, shoot. the millennial evangelical. One last question. Hold on. Oh, we boy. needed to get we need to just get eight questions in. So it's a nice no, we already did eight questions. Did we, I think you said it was six to seven, and then we both had a point for the, the church so one. My count is that seven out of eight. So like church attendance, uh, mandatory, veggie tales, homeschool, Pokemon or Harry Potter's evil, right? And some of you, did yes, and or you know, we, we yeah. it wasn't all of those were partial we, credit. Yeah, partial yeah. credit for some of those. Then we did like secular music at some point. Did you go and get converted to camp or always, you know? Uh, do the sinner's prayer forever did you kiss gate dating goodbye so we're at seven right there um how old were you and you got married that's eight we, we counted that oh there's two more okay so well no we actually kind of covered that one i'll just do one more question because okay. it's, the, it's the best like kind of wrap it up because the the reason that i've felt drawn to do these podcasts is for this very reason once once uh once you came out of the atheist closet did thanksgiving dinner become awkward <laughs> it's more like I, I feel like christmas was more awkward than thanksgiving but well whatever are, whatever holiday dinner myriad, it is there are myriad reasons that i'm not a fan of thanksgiving <laughs> can, can i do a, just a tiny bit to that question not for mg sure this is when I could tell when people didn't fully think of female pastors as pastors, because when you're in that setting, and I find that typically when you're like, there's a pastor in the room, people always invite that person to pray. Of course. And I was never asked, never, that was never extended to me. And while I didn't care if I prayed or not, it was very much like, cool. So I give, I would bet you a hundred bucks. If I was a male pastor, you would be asking yeah. me to pray for meals. Every, every guy ask ever. That's what happens to me without exception. They yeah. would ask me before they would ask Amy. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yep. One of those subcontracts. Anyway, that's just a tiny rabbit hole vent. Thanksgiving is the worst. It should just go away. I it in Minecraft, like whatever you want to put that. Like I I don't care. It's just it's terrible. Uh it's a pot. Sorry, it's a I listen to other podcasts, and it's a when you say something that sometimes would get something banned on on a podcast, you just say, Oh, I said in Minecraft, I wasn't talking about in real world. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I I think it's 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 culturally ins culturally insensitive, it's propagating incredibly harmful stereotypes for generations. It really encourages some some family interactions that not everybody has good uh experiences with like people should be able to come together and eat and not tie it to whatever this thing is i oh, love man. eating i love eating <laughs> we just like, eat i absolutely love yeah. eating we do not need to tie a holiday based around eating to all the garbage it's currently tied to I, we should just have an eating day and that would be fantastic <laughs> So I, I think that 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 completes the the story slash interview slash game. Y'all definitely yeah. were a, a millennial evangelicals growing up, eh? And oh yeah. With the the cherry on top of 
wait, why are we even celebrating this holiday? You definitely are an awkward dinner guest at these holidays for oh for lord yeah. <laughs> so we made it we survived two different journeys right you both were raised similar ways i think that's part of why i wanted to do this really fun stupid stereotypical game is so much of the well-intentioned parents boomer generation that had these ideas in their heads like well hey maybe that was misguided let's think about that i think about this often as i have children but this podcast is about the millennial experience by and large it's called the millennial pastor because we primarily have pastors but we we like to expand it beyond that it's just simply like what was it like to grow up in the church and how do you feel about it now and so i think you guys perfectly encapsulate i think that the perfect representation of what can happen when you grow up evangelical so again thank you so much for sharing your time your life playing a silly game interview thing and being on this podcast I'm really thankful for these stories, stories like MG and Amy's and their willingness to be vulnerable and share their perspective. I truly do hope and believe that we can learn so much from one another if we simply humbly choose to listen. Today's episode is is one of many that I'm thankful for having the chance to share with you, and I hope you have enjoyed it as well. If so, we would encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. But we'd also like to inform you that the current format of the show will be coming to an end at the end of this season. Next year, there are some big changes coming down the line. We are currently working on them, and we will give you more details soon. But until then, stay tuned. I'm Josiah, and I'm your host, and this has been the Millennial Pastor Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you soon.